Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, I'm Mackenzie Atwood. Thank you guys so much for joining in and listening to the Steven Universe podcast. So we've been exploring the people and places of Steven Universe, digging a little bit deeper into their backstories and their origins and their development. And today we're going to be focusing on Earth Gems. And by that, I mean there are three gems who are very different from each other, but they're connected by the events of the gem war on Earth that happened thousands of years ago. So that means Rose Quartz, the leader of the rebellion, Bismuth, the rebel's weaponsmith, and Jasper, who's a gem that was made on Earth and fought for a homeworld. We're going to learn about what inspired their creation and learn more about their roles in gem society and culture. Steven Universe director Joe Johnston and supervising director Kat Morris are also going to be here to offer some insight, and so will creator Rebecca Sugar and former EP Ian J.Q. So that's where we're going to be starting out today with Rebecca and Ian. Thank you guys so much for coming on and talking to me. Absolutely. Yeah, no problem. So let's talk about Jasper first. What kind of impact did you want her character to have on the audience, like her arc? Oh, her whole arc? I think... Yeah, like, through, like, being corrupted from... (laughs) I think, like, a lot of the characters, I really wanted Jasper to appear to be a lot more one-dimensional than she actually is. Right. I mean, all of her behavior has a root, and, you know, I wanted you to meet her and get a lot of the foliage... (laughs) <laughs> Does this make sense? Above, you know, the, above the root? Yes. Is that what? <laughs> yeah, get the, get the leaves, you know? There's yeah, yeah, a lot, yeah. as soon as you meet her, I mean, the reason she's there, like, she didn't have to be the one to do this, but she's got a stake in Rose Quartz and Earth. Right, she has a score to settle, basically. Yeah. And actually, early on, you don't actually know that, yeah. uh, but you just know... There's something there behind she ta- her intentions. She's talking about it, yeah. yeah. But she's talking about it in a very... It's very personal for her. She's not going to tell, you know, Peridot, definitely not yeah. Lapis, like why this is such a personal thing for her, but you're going to so, sort of slowly... Yeah, there's a lot of great moments. Find es- out. Especially, yeah, in, in Jailbreak and The Return, where if you if you go back and watch those, knowing what you know about Jasper, you see, like a lot of clues as to why she's there and you know how she feels about the gems and rose quartz especially yeah because the first time you see if you're just seeing her come through like in the returns just like oh well she's angry you know like but knowing like you said what you know about rose it definitely changes things when you said that uh in a past podcast that jasper was a decorated gem from humble origins how do you think that that affects her characterization, like in her personality? That's everything. Like that's the thing you don't mm-hmm. you don't know when she shows up. That's coloring all of her actions yeah. because she is from Earth, and mm-hmm. I think it's interesting because it's something that well, she's very different than Amethyst. Like Amethyst has problems knowing that she's from Earth because her whole experience has been, you know, she's gotten so many subtle clues that the kindergarten is this awful place you know she's from this awful place that was this huge mistake because it was them invading earth like she's put it together that there's something wrong with that but 
but Jasper feels differently because she's from like like Amethyst Kindergarten was a very successful kindergarten. Jasper's from a very unsuccessful kindergarten. She's yeah. from a not only is she from Earth, which is a complete failure of a planet as far as homeworld is concerned. She's from like the worst kindergarten on Earth. So she yeah. came out uh, with a lot to prove, which is what defines Cause her Jasper, way. Jasper had to live and work in a system that knew all those things about her, that she's from mm-hmm. this failed colony, from this place that was this like huge quagmire for, you know, gem kind. And everyone else, I think, you know, people, the gems that came from the beta kindergarten were so flawed yeah. that no matter how uh, she's perfect like all evidence points to her being perfect mm-hmm. but she's never going to shake the idea that there's got to be something wrong and that's um, that's mm-hmm. kind of where like her sort of pride comes from why she won't accept help from anybody uh she feels like she had to work harder than everyone yeah you know and prove herself with this nagging notion in her mind that she's from this she's from this place is so disgraceful and and that rose i mean rose is like when people think of earth on homeworld they think of rose quartz mm-hmm. and this rebellion and it's like an in, a thing she can she can never escape <laughs> she can't shake this thing um, right. this association with yeah. this this really negative association with earth and and no matter how even though she's like the best thing to come out of earth she still came out of earth something i always liked about right. uh jasper on the show was I'm, how she uh she was rarely she rarely put her emotions and her true feelings on her sleeve. They kind of sneak out like in these small moments where she says like a line that suddenly you're like, "Oh, that you know, you're finally seeing to the core of this character." But usually when she's talking, it's like boasting, bravado, a lot of pride, a lot of like her just being, you know, in her element of being like this, like decorated, cool, you know, warrior gem. Right. It's the opposite mm-hmm. of how she actually feels. Like yeah. She ha- there's a reason she has to. She has to put act like that, that so yeah. front and center. It's yeah. because she, deep down, she feels like she doesn't really deserve that to mm-hmm. be to be that. Right. And that's why she can't escape this place. She's just letting it destroy her. <laughs> like when yeah. she's there, and she's. De- I mean, what she, she's destroying herself. But I think. Because she's so worried, like at the core, that the core of herself is wrong. She's just, she keeps diving into it and just doing horrible things. Uh, cause she, she thinks she's horrible. She yeah. thinks she's horrible. It's really tragic. Mm-hmm. Actually. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, well, it's sort uh, of one of those stories. I love, yeah. I love Jasper. <laughs> yeah. I know, me too. I mean, Jasper, it, it's one of those stories sort of about how, uh, you know, these systems that are set up kind of fail people you know from different origins you know the gem system was set up for you know successful gems from successful colonies uh who would be having a lot of success taking over the universe you know but when it comes to someone who is a little bit out of the mold it it uh harms everyone and jasper falls into Mm. that even though even though you know she should be on the outside it looks like she should be like you know a model a model gem mm-hmm. exemplary yeah. yeah on the other side of the coin there's uh let's talk about bismuth oh yeah um mm-hmm. so when did you guys start talking or thinking about bismuth as a character because like you know there's people were talking about bismuth since uh the first time we saw inside lion's mane and we saw the the, the bubble yeah. gem um, yeah that was like season one though so like, i think did joe draw that in joe drew that in with that um, 
I think he didn't he didn't have a specific plan, but we knew I mean we knew we wanted to we um, were gonna do something with that. And I and I remember we had we had uh talks about um like a quote unquote lost crystal gem. Yeah. Like going way far back. Mm. And there were I think there were early versions of Bismuth. I feel like this is this these are pitches that we never we never end up doing that we always have early on, but like that Bismuth would be kind of perpetually unconscious. Oh yeah, uh, very yeah. like very different. I mean, it was a completely different idea yeah. that that mm. the gem in that Rose had saved would be um, damaged in some right. sort of different and ex- and yeah. exceptional way. And yeah, those are those are ideas that we ended up not doing because they sort of would end up limiting those characters. It was to, limiting, and, and yeah. it was sort of a, it was more lapis. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, we knew we knew that this would be a lost crystal gem. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing we knew for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are different different iterations of that. I mean, this was this, I'm talking about really early on because we figured out who she was pretty soon. After. Yeah. Once once we had uh, the like, like during season one, I think we already yeah. had our plans for because once we had the more solid ideas, one of one of the main ideas was actually like almost like a logical one. Uh, Stephen Sugar, Rebecca's brother. Would always litter the world with all these like um, with all these weapons, all these huge gem weapons. Oh and stuff. yeah, and we knew we needed a, and then a we were person like, who had made them. We were like, uh, who made all the weapons? And then we mm-hmm. figured out, oh, what is their team missing? They don't have like a weaponsmith. Yeah, they don't have a builder. Like someone had to build all the stuff that eventually belonged to all the the gems, the crystal gems on Earth. And who was that? And so very early on, we realized the hole that Bismuth would be filling. And, yeah, it was very easy to figure out her uh, character when we had that. Yeah. Right, sort of tied it together. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, her like her place on the team, for sure. And then her character started to make a lot, lot of sense after, like, yeah. you know, being sort of like this gooey center of the team. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, what was the um, decision, the season three uh, decision made for her? Like, why did you decide to unbubble her then rather than earlier on? Well, that had to do with we were trying to pace out everyone's feelings about Rose Quartz. Yeah. And this is a t- the turning point. Where this was a huge find, turning where point. Where you find yeah. out that Rose Quartz is a really awful person. Yeah. And we, we always, <laughs> I always love the. Um, I always loved the trope of someone who, like a villain who is sort of bad to their own subordinate, you know, and then this is the episode where you find out that Rose kind of was that. Rose is, yeah, yeah. Rose is. I mean, you what, know, she, I'm saying she that is the trope that I like, but in, wrong, that, yeah. in that episode, it's <laughs> very clear she did this is, wrong. This is yeah. someone who, oh my gosh, I mean, Bismuth adored yeah. Rose, yeah, loved Rose, and she was willing to do like she would have done anything, anything for, for Rose, and she and did for Rose specific, she specifically. T- she yeah. did the thing that Rose definitely wanted the most, yeah, and yeah. then she was upset about it. It makes no sense. Yeah. <laughs> like Bismuth doesn't get. Not only does Bismuth not get to understand why. None of her friends do either. Exactly, and the whole thing is just swept under swept the rug. Under I mean, this is really yeah. Uh, like we can it's one thing to be like oh Jasper hates Rose Quartz we fought in the war Mm -hmm. this is this is someone who idolized Rose yeah and then was totally 
can I say screwed over? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, and then sort and of. You know what the worst thing about it is? That she, she still talks about how great she is. I know, is. and she still she loves. She still talks she about still how great she is. Rose. Yeah, it's really tragic. She still made that difference in Bismuth's life. Mm-hmm. Oh, my favorite thing about drawing Bismuth is, I, I did a bunch of drawings for the scene where she's talking um oh where she's talking to steven rose quartz changed my life changed my life and i love to give her these very specific eyelashes she has these little (laughs) triangular eyelashes that when when she's um kind of waxing poetic yeah and then from from a writing standpoint uh season three was the best time and this is something that if anyone's sort of interested in writing their own stories or their own books it's like because bismuth was a lost crystal gem and represented a break uh, her story represents a break from what we know about the crystal gems you kind of have to wait until all of those things are very firmly established to break them so say if we had brought out if we had brought out bismuth and say like episode four or something i mean none of none of her story would matter because you wouldn't understand what a crystal gem really is or what rose meant to everybody yeah, you need a lot of you need of there's pieces yeah you need a lot of the puzzle pieces before you can add something as as monumental as you know the lost member of of a group right yeah yeah you really need to you really need that picture of rose too mm-hmm. for Yes, Before exactly. it can shift. Yeah, everything really had to be set up because, you know, I remember this was like, it was one of the first like really big, we had dabbled in being like, well, maybe Rose Quartz wasn't perfect. Oh, but, I knew mm-hmm. we could, hold on, but, no, I knew we know all about Rose. I, uh, but mean, I mean like, <laughs> I mean we had done it in like several stories, but then this oh, was. Oh, in, yes, the one but, we'd actually shown. Yeah, but then this in in the Bismuth episode was the one where it was like, oh, you know, you can see in this story like point blank Rose was wrong. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And you never because you think even if even when Jasper doesn't like Rose, you're like, oh, but they're yeah. You know, <laughs> this is righteous fight, and it makes exactly. sense. And it's exactly. like this does not make sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think too that the other thing that so this is a big turning point for Stephen because everyone is still really loyal to Rose. Every, you know, he's been getting this portrait of her from his family, but he's the one with this first ex- hand experience with Bismuth, and he's he carries his confusion yeah. and his guilt about it, I, it never goes away. Yeah. It doesn't uh, go yeah. away at all. I mean, in, yeah. in, in Mindful, Stephen, you know, has been just building up really all this guilt. And, you know, when he sees Bismuth, when he sees Jasper, when he sees Eyeball, it's not so much that he's like, it's not so much that he's afraid they're going to attack him. He's afraid that he attacked them. It's like, a, it's like a really, mm. I mean, Stephen wants to help everyone so much. And he sees these three failures, yeah, and like doesn't he? He it just never goes away for him. He's just is, is going to carry it with him. And business forever. is sort of like the kickoff of that. And I think he always had, he always had a vague idea that he needed to carry sort of like these struggles and deal with this baggage from that was left over from before him. But I think like Bismuth was a real solidifier of. Oh, there was some real stuff going down, mm-hmm. and right there now was something. I'm, I'm inheriting some of that. Yeah, yeah, there's something wrong with the whole. There's some, basically there's something wrong with the crystal gems, mm-hmm. yeah. and what and yeah, it's that's yeah. new. That's new. <laughs> that was, it was it was really new for yeah. Stephen as a point. as yeah. a group. Mm-hmm. 
Like, why did they not get to know that this happened? Yeah. It's crazy. Rose, like, has a character arc, even though, like, she never actually is in the show. And that's really crazy to watch with all these reveals. Mm-hmm. It feels like. Yeah. Yeah. It, it just happened in the past. Yep. Yeah, exactly. And you're just sort of unraveling that whole thing. So that we get these conflicting ideas about who Rose is and, and, and what she's done. How do you pace these things like in terms of one after the other from from like you said like eyeball and uh bismuth and jasper and all of that leading up to eyeball saying that she saw rose shatter pink how did you decide to pace all of that we're kind of building like a like a tower like we're like we're building it's like one step at a time like you need Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. try to figure out when when we've got to give a piece of information so that by the time we right. want to do a certain story, you have every ingredient you need to understand that story and yeah. to have that story change your understanding so that the next story mm-hmm. will make sense. Uh, I we make a lot kinda, of charts. I make a lot of charts. Yeah. We kind of, <laughs> um, we had a really in-depth backstory and um, basically like a timeline of, of Rose and everything that happened uh, sort of from the beginning to the end of the story. And, mm-hmm. Basically, we would basically kind of we would portion out that story into pieces that could be delivered to Stephen. So every piece would have to build on a previous piece that you knew about her. So at the beginning, there was just like these general ideas of who she was and what she stood for and stuff. And then as the story kept going, you know, we needed to reveal these things about her. And what's fun about it is that. Um, Rose's story doesn't actually get revealed to the viewer in order. It gets kind of revealed to the viewer sort of like in terms of steps, like what's the next step you need to know to understand something deeper about her. Mm-hmm. And, it's not well, chronological, yeah. I think the most the most crucial thing too is that it's from Stephen's point of view. Mm-hmm. So what you're getting is what people, what what certain people want Stephen to think yes. about his mother. Yeah. Mm. And then and then the points at which that is fracturing because other people yep. want to expose him to what I, was really going on. I mean on. at the at the end of the day, it all goes back to that that experience of being a kid and suddenly slowly realizing that there's a world bigger than you outside of you. And it's slowly getting revealed to you by the people that you know and trust and maybe some people you even shouldn't trust. And Rose's story getting revealed to us this way, you know, it wouldn't work through anybody else's eyes. Like, you know, it needs to be sort of how, you know, everybody has the experience of thinking they know their parents. And then suddenly you learn like something about your parents that like, you know, oh, they were like that or... I think, yeah. and, and there, there's an added know. difficulty for Steven, which is that half these people think he is his mother. Exactly. So they're just yeah. talking directly to her. <laughs> I mean, that's like, yeah, there's magical complications. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Antics. Yeah. Yeah. What I like about it is that everyone is being sincere. Yeah. Like nobody's trying to trick Steven mm. into thinking something. Greg adores, you know, Rose. And, but I mean, he... He adores the Rose he Uh, knew. Yeah, the Rose he knew, which was a very specific Mm -hmm. side of her. Mm -hmm. Everybody knew uh, her in different ways at different times, met her for different reasons, and she meant something different to each of them. And that's really fun. Though I will say one of the things that we established about Rose really early on that I really love that bore a lot of fruit was just Pearl saying Rose had a lot of secrets. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> Which is just the truth. That's yeah. She had to just keep them. <laughs> I like the everyone moment. she was trying to protect. Yeah. One thing I think that I like that slowly unfolds is I feel like I want people to realize that all of Stephen's compassion is coming from Greg. Yes. That's, <laughs> that's a good way. Of, you know, that's, wow. yeah, that's a good way of putting it. That's, yeah. you know, and Rose knows that too. She's interested in that because she does, she does not quite understand it. And that is my, is one of my favorite things yeah, about we see that drawing just, her and writing her. That's, yeah. that is pretty foreign to her. That's like, pretty we, foreign to like, Gems. And like, we need to talk. You really see that illustrated. Yeah. yeah. She really thinks she's like able to be a convincing human being, <laughs> <laughs> but she's, it's, she's just sort of playing at it. It's very, it's very surface, and yeah. she needs Greg to. She, I mean, she's like fascinated by Greg because it comes really, really naturally to him. And mm. and now Stephen is, you know, this compassionate warrior. But the warrior part is Rose. The compassionate part is Greg. Yeah. Wow. Is that a spoiler? Is that a spoiler? No, it's not a spoiler. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> We've got all the evidence is out there. Yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me again. Absolutely. <laughs> So, as our exploration of Earth Gems continues, I think we need to go a little bit deeper on both Jasper and Bismuth. So how about we start out with Jasper? I've got Steven Universe director Joe Johnston and Supervising Director Kat Morris here to do just that. Alright, I am here with Kat Morris and Joe Johnston. Uh, today we're talking about Jasper. Welcome guys, thank you so much for coming and talking to me. Hello. Hey, thanks for having us. Yeah, for sure. So, um, first off with Jasper, I kind of was wondering, you know, people compare animating kind of to acting because you have to decide what the character's expressions are in a way similar to an actor. So I was thinking, like, what kind of stuff you guys do to sort of get in that mindset when it comes to writing dialogue or drawing Jasper? Jasper was sort of a new addition to the cast in a, in a way that we hadn't had a sort of traditional villain before. And she's not, she's not a traditional villain, but she, she does, her acting does occupy that sort of realm. Um, at least at the beginning when she shows up, she's very menacing and, uh, kind of corny. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, very corny too. And that was all, that was all Paul Vileko. Yeah. Paul um, has a really deep love for shonen manga and anime. And I think that came across a lot in the villains he likes to write kind of jojo inspired bad guys just like tried and true villains yeah i really like that it's really neat because like it's also the subversion because there's obviously more to her than just meets the eye but she's the first character that we saw who like at the end of her her current arc we she's not redeemed she doesn't you know become a good guy so what was it like having that because that's that's pretty different from other gems that we've met like uh peridot or lapis i think it was a little refreshing to see a character that could not be not not seduced not, that's the wrong word but uh maybe helped like turned helped, side. yeah helped by steven yeah i think ultimately jasper wants to hold on to that anger where i think lapis and peridot wanted more uh, you know in order to change you need to want to change and jasper didn't want that and we couldn't force that on her yeah, she yeah. Wa- she wants to be who she is already. She doesn't. She's not looking to be something else because she already thinks that what she is and who she is is perfect. Perfect. Yeah, and she's been told that from mm-hmm. the day she yeah. emerged. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy too because that's the first time Stephen is really. I mean, you know, since it's from his POV, like when we experience something for the first time, like a villain who doesn't want to change. 
that's the first time Steven seeing something like that as well. So do you think that was like impactful for him? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think unfortunately it was also under some <laughs> some pink diamond reveal for Steven. Uh, mm-hmm. So I think he had a lot of things going on in that moment. And it's not like the first character that he hasn't been able to sway. Lars is, has been very, very stubborn <laughs> through the whole show. I, I, would, I would say even That's now true. he's still stubborn. But uh, Lars hasn't explicitly <laughs> tried to kill him. No, no. That's not, a minor difference. Not yet. Oh. <laughs> no, Sorry. I'm, I'm, joking. I'm joking. What? No. no. That's, that's a joke. I can't, I can't even imagine. <laughs> um, despite the negative traits that Jasper has, and like, there's still a lot beneath the surface, and I think that that's what makes her so popular within the fandom. Like, if you compare, like, the amount of love she gets versus, like, the amount of appearances she's made, like, people love Jasper. So how do you, like, balance that and make sure that you stay true to the character but also make her, you know, sympathetic? I think just by treating her as a person. You know, I don't think there is anybody in the world who is 100% evil all the time. Uh, I wouldn't even say the word evil for Jasper. She just has a different set of beliefs and values. Joe, help me out here. Yeah. <laughs> Bullying, being a bully, that that comes from a... A place. It doesn't come from nothing. It comes from um, whatever situation outside of bullying is affecting your affecting their lives. And and Jasper has a lot of pent up feelings from the past that you know come out in the way she acts. Yeah, she's heartbroken by the loss of her diamond. For one, that's a really big one, mm-hmm. especially if you identify so strongly with being a servant to that diamond. Um, and then later on with Lapis. <laughs> it just makes things really complicated yeah i get where you're going with that um for for joe uh you worked on jailbreak you Mm -hmm. boarded it right Mm -hmm. with jeff Mm -hmm. um so what was it like working on that like drawing jasper and, and writing her for the first time when she was such a big like physical threat in a way that i mean it was just it was different from obviously the stuff we'd seen before yes Yes. So we were, we were ready to do that. Um, just for, just from like, like we'd spent the whole show without like a, a serious main antagonist. And so I think everyone was sort of ready to, uh, jump into that pool. Um, that one, those two episodes, the return and jailbreak, if I remember remembering correctly, we boarded those out of order. I feel like, I think we started jailbreak before the return. I don't remember. I feel like Jasper was already written a little bit before you guys jumped in. Yes. Yeah. Well, Rebecca had a pretty clear idea mm-hmm. for her, but mm-hmm. Paul didn't do her intro until after we had already sort of started on jailbreak. And so, yeah, we were all sort of grabbing from the same pool. Sometimes uh, when we're doing new characters, Rebecca will write up uh, a sort of one sheet and a bunch of do a, do a bunch of drawings that will really sort of define the character. And she's done that for most of the new characters um, whenever we've introduced someone. So that's, that's the way it was for Jasper. And there was a lot of planning and talking before about how it was all going to work and how we'd get into why she was fusing with Lapis and how that whole ending was going to work. So the plan was sort of laid and we just kind of ran with it. Yeah. I I totally get you. Kat, like when you did alone at sea, like that was a totally different side of that coin because, you know, like, I mean, it was still a physical threat like you saw in Jailbreak, but also it was just such like an emotional 
uh, emotional threat to Lapis and, you know, the place that the place that she was in. How did you go about tackling that? Well, talk to Rebecca and Hillary a lot. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. It was um, I mean, Jasper's had a lot of time to think by this point in the story. She's been in the ocean. Uh, <laughs> <Time out. laughs> I think uh, I'd say she probably has never fused before this moment. No. So she didn't know. No what it was and now that she does know that when you fuse you become more powerful she became addicted to it in in jailbreak it was it was just we're playing with a new evil quote-unquote character and that's all she had to be we didn't really need to go into anything deeper partially because there just wasn't any room Mm -hmm. to go any deeper than that and then by the time we get to alone at sea then we're getting into the why and the the yeah i mean plus she hadn't had she hadn't really experienced Mm -hmm. what she experienced with Mm -hmm. lapis yet so she's in a different place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Did you do boarding for Alone at Sea? Is that your... Yes. Yeah, I did. I did Acts 1 and 3. So all the boat stuff is me. Uh, oh, cool, <laughs> I just, cool. But Rebecca also did a pass on it. We had a, a lot of versions of this uh, story. Uh, at first, I think it was called uh, Boat Murderer. It, it was um, <laughs> It was sort of like um, the ship kept like breaking down in different ways, and they didn't know why. And at the end, you found out it was Jasper, and we just sort of like oh. shifted it and shifted it and shifted it until it became what it was. But you don't normally like have a whole chunk of the episode to board, do you? Um, no, I don't. I did the first episode, which was Laser Light at the time, although we switched the air order. But I was always storyboard supervisor and then eventually became supervising director. Um, mm-hmm. This was just a special case, uh, sort of like a, a pinch hitter type, too. So uh, we needed another hand on this episode, and that was me. Yeah. Was it tough, like, mechanically getting the, the Jasper look down? Like, did you have to have any collaboration to, to figure out how to draw her? I draw on every episode, so I wasn't totally <laughs> right, out of water right. on that. Um, I'm not great with drawing Jasper, but that's just because what I gravitate toward as an artist. And to be fair, yeah, I haven't drawn her as much. But also, I mean, for example, I was the one directing the Amethyst arc, like Earthlings and uh, Mm -hmm. Beta and those episodes. So I'd been working with Jasper already. It wasn't hard, but it was hard doing the work because I had so many other responsibilities at the time. Yeah, it's not like you hadn't hadn't seen her before or anything, but I understand, yeah. That season three arc with amethyst and everything really started uh kicking off like the mystery of rose quartz and like pink diamond and everything but it also sort of helped amethyst and steven's development and like they you know obviously they had their fusion so how do you balance those things like as as a director you think oh well i mean the story was already written so it was just a matter of making sure all the characters uh were acting true to who they were it was um i think more than jasper it was really about amethyst I think uh, all the other characters, especially after the Sardonyx arc, had had um, had had their moments to sort of change and grow. But Amethyst was in the same place, and so figuring out what Amethyst's deal was. And Jasper was a really good character to play off of that, because Jasper is who Amethyst was, quote-unquote, supposed to be. She's supposed to be mm-hmm. big, she's supposed to be strong, she's supposed to be a soldier. Amethyst is none of those things. Uh, and she she thought she was fine with it, and then she gets totally annihilated when Jasper shows up, just walking out of the ocean uh, and uh, I think it kind of forced her to reflect on who, what, what she thought she liked about herself and maybe realizing she didn't like herself very much at all. And uh, Stephen helps her accept who she is. Well, accept her. Well. <laughs> <laughs> okay, awesome. Thank you guys so much for coming on and talking to me. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Thanks for having us. 
Kat and Joe have agreed to stay and talk about bismuth too, so we'll get to that coming right up. All right, I am back with Kat Morris and Joe Johnson. Uh, thanks again, guys, for coming on and talking to me. Thanks for still having us. We are still here. Yeah, for sure. Now we're going to be talking about bismuth. bismuth. So, yeah, there's a lot there. Bismuth is such a... I, I love her from the first moment I saw her character. It's great. Same. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like, ugh. But, like, what were your thoughts leading up to, like, the bismuth episode and uh, then while you were making it as well? Well, first, Joe incepted bismuth. Yes. Bismuth. Oh. Bismuth. So when we did, when when Jeff Lou and I did Lion 3, we got the fun idea to put a bunch of stuff in the main. Um, and there were a couple things that Rebecca wanted, such as the t-shirt and was the sword in there? No, it was the flag. The flag was, mm-hmm. was waving. So just little bits of memorabilia um, from Rose's mm-hmm. past. And then I just stuck in this bubble with this gem in it, um, this little piece of bismuth. And that was it. There was no plan for really what she would become. In fact, this is like a Joe thing. He likes to put things in and he's like, I don't know. Maybe it'll be something later. It'll be, you know, save it it for later. It'll be fun. He puts down breadcrumbs for us whenever we get lost. (laughs) We'd be like, what's the thing Joe put in? so funny um so uh, one of the ideas that i had for it was instead of an actual uh gem it was a gem device maybe my idea for it would have been like it would have been a a portable warp for steven to use wherever he was uh something like that but there really was (laughs) there really was no Steven's already OP. He's got so much OP. He got a lion. The lion already. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Um, the lion gets tired. Yeah. So there, there wasn't a plan. So like, uh, and, and that was sort of something that Rebecca wanted in the show from the beginning was this pieces of lore that are just sort of thrown about the living room. That was mm-hmm. the sort of feeling that, you know, she wanted that like all of this history was just laying about for you to just pick up and discover. So that was, that was, it was that same sort of sentiment when we put bismuth there and then rebecca had to invent who bismuth actually <laughs> is and that's what she did that's so crazy i remember seeing because as soon as that episode came out you know there are there are people talking about it and every time steven goes into lion's mane or every time he did before bismuth everyone was always like there's that gem again who is that there were so <laughs> many theories and you got and it might not have even been a gem like, if oh. joe had had his way. <laughs> like it's just I love that so much. What's your favorite like part of her uh, character? I love how much she loves the crystal gems. I think uh, mm-hmm. that that pride and that love that she has for her people is really strong and really beautiful to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we were talking about this a little earlier. Was uh, Bismuth and and Jasper are sort of two sides to a coin in that they're both mm. extremely patriotic. Uh, for whatever side they're on. So Bismuth is just the most gung-ho patriotic crystal gem, and Jasper is all about Homeworld. So it's it's fun to play with these two characters in that sense and, and, and how they're so, um, you know, on their side and just want to see their side of things. I can imagine a shouting match between the two of them, <laughs> and it would not end well. <laughs> It'd be very loud. <laughs> yeah. When you have such, like, a, a big character join the cast, is it tough for you guys to get a feel for how to 
draw and write her, especially since this is something that like became a thing after the show's already airing? Yeah, there's tough bits in, in both of that. It, it takes sort of everyone having a pass at her to sort of find the character. And luckily, that was a 22-minute episode, and so we had four board artists. I mean, five if you can't remember. Five, six, counting me, too. Um who all oh, yeah. sort of all well I, I'll just all the little things but yeah. but we all had sort of a pass at her voice mm-hmm. and so it, it, it took a, a collective effort to get it to get to get her to where where she is Lamar had a, a big part of getting sort of her her humor mm-hmm. um, in there mm. that part where she's like oh don't make me cry yeah it's so cute yeah I love love bismuth yeah <laughs> I love her she really does care so much is what's just so exciting about mm-hmm. her mm-hmm. um the thing you said about the 22 minute how does that like because this is the first time you know it was a landmark i think it was the 100th episode too right like yeah mm-hmm. yeah the 100th episode the 100th episode <laughs> yeah, for us yeah. if you're not counting the shorts oh yeah mm. well if you're counting the shorts yeah so like that's a big it's a big milestone you know like and the fact that it's 22 minutes what does that change for you guys between like an 11 minute episode or 22 just uh how much post <laughs> it's it's twice as hard <laughs> you've got more board artists to wrangle you've got more picture to lock and apply sound effects to and do music for yeah it was it was just a different flow just because normally there's just not enough time for everything that we want to do sometimes in an episode and then suddenly uh you have too much time all of a sudden and then you have to figure out how to maybe uh, pad things out a little bit more it's it's Especially if you've been working in an 11-minute format for so long, uh, suddenly switching to a 22, you, f- you feel like you have all the space in the world. It's nice to be able to let things breathe, though. Yeah. yeah. There are times where you have, have moments that won't need to be quiet, but we kind of have to truncate them a little bit to fit the time. Mm-hmm. I think Bismuth has a little bit more of that brooding, slow burn quality at times. Yeah, a lot more. And, mm-hmm. and it, you can see it in how we were able to do the titles and how the, how spaced out they are, and the eye catch, and the eye catches. That's right. Yeah, the little the little bumper mini bumper thingies. Who, who whose idea was that? Probably Joe's. Yeah. I think so. I think that came up kind of during the pitch oh, at some point. Someone put it in, and we're like, think, "Yeah, let's do that." Yeah, I think I think I don't remember. <laughs> I'm not gonna. Who I'm not gonna. Was it I'm not gonna take. I'm not gonna take credit on that. No, I drew them. <laughs> You'll take credit for that. Ones. I'll take yeah, I'll definitely take credit for that. I love it. <laughs> I love them. Um when they when you guys are when talking about the pitch, like uh when you do a twenty two minute episode like that, do you guys like just say, Hey, can we do a twenty two minute episode and then you just run with it or do they I think the network asked us to they wanted they wanted us to do three half hours in one year but I think we ended up only doing two yeah yeah this this one lined up with the 100th episode so it was an excuse to do something big but yeah they they did want to at least two half hours Mm -hmm. in that run the other one being gem harvest yeah Mm, yeah yeah, then we have the story still written as 11 minutes so we had one team start and then the next week the next team started so there was a, there was like a week gap between them, and they were sort of seeing what the other was doing and adjusting. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, as the directors, we were also helping adjust along the way. Mm-hmm. Right, right. What was the um when you hear like the voice work done? I really love Bismuth's voice. <laughs> I love it so much. What's it like having like a special guest voice actor like that? So like special shout out and thank you, thank you, thank you to Uzo Aduba. Mm-hmm. She's 
fantastic and amazing. Every single read that we got from her was just like, oh, that's perfect. Oh, that's also, <laughs> how do we choose which read to use in here? It's, it's a joy getting to work with her on this character. Yeah, guest stars are also kind of sad because they're usually phone patches, so you don't get to meet them. No. You're just telling them yeah. how much you love them into yeah. <laughs> an empty room. Yeah. I understand. Are there any key moments in business, like, development that stand out for you with, like, the crew in terms of, like, pitches, designs, anything along those lines? I remember the initial design for Bismuth. Her uh, her eyes were black. Oh yeah, and then it was it was like it was too suspicious. Yeah, it, was. it wasn't. It, was it wasn't that she evil. was evil. It wasn't to make her evil. It was just like, no. oh, this would be cool. It kind of because it reflects her eyes, sort of like that inverted gem that yeah. she has. Like, yeah. But ultimately, I think it was uh, to make her a little more. Yeah, the story was pretty set from the beginning, and that she yeah. was going to be sort of hyper aggressive and had been sort of put away because she was too gung-ho. Um, so mm-hmm. going, she, she had that, Rebecca had that in mind when she mm-hmm. was designing her. So I think that's, that's part of why those black eyes were there. I, I'm trying to remember, were the dreadlocks always there? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. I don't remember if they were always rainbow. I think she might've been more monochrome. I remember she had a version where she had like really skinny legs. <laughs> that was pretty cool. That was the they thing were... we were trying to do for a little bit. So we also tried to do that smoky quartz, like a that's bigger right. upper body yeah. and tiny little legs yeah. just to mix up silhouettes. Yeah. Some, um, someday we'll do that. <laughs> I love that. But yeah, we didn't. It wasn't. Impismith isn't a bad guy. I want to no, clarify no, that no, no, she no, never no, no. was, and we don't consider her as such. I think she had a different ideology, but yes. I think it's one that is very understandable, and I think half of the audience would agree. You know, do you do you save one person uh, and kill millions, or do you <laughs> save millions and kill one? I mean, I think. Depending on what you believe in, the answer is obvious. And so for Bismuth, the answer was obvious, but unfortunately it didn't align with Rose. And Rose, being kind of a great character herself, did what she thought was best to protect her own interests. And that's Mm -hmm. how that all played out. But I don't think either party was explicitly wrong or right. Yeah, and and that's really the point of that episode was sort of displaying and showing that to Stephen. Moral ambiguity. Yes. Yes. And then we. Mom's not that great, Stephen. (laughs) No. And we keep returning to that moral ambiguity ambiguity throughout the series. Yeah, yeah. What so what was it like tackling that? I mean, it's not like, you know, you guys haven't tackled it before in the show, but like it, I think that this was like a pretty big landmark in terms of just like the amount of ambiguity, I guess. What was it like tackling that for you guys? It's ambiguous and not for Steven. Like it's pretty clear to Steven like what's wrong and what's right in this situation. And he, he feels like what Bismuth wants to do is, is wrong, but he also doesn't want to fight her. He doesn't want, so that's, I think that's where the moral ambiguity comes in. Cause he really likes her. He yes. doesn't want to, he definitely doesn't want to do what she thinks he's going to do, which is bubble her away and not say anything to anyone exactly like his mom did. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of, of Jasper too. This whole arc has sort of been about, or, you know, the whole arc in season three was about Steven learning. He can't help everyone. What else do you think is, like, similar between Jasper and Bismuth? Size. <laughs> Size, yes. Muscles. Yes. <laughs> um, yes. Uh, bludgeoning weapons. <laughs> okay. I love Bismuth's, like, the fact that she's she has a forge. For some reason, I can't remember the word for that. <laughs> yeah, it's a forge. Yep. Oh, blacksmith. Oh, oh, like, anvil, yeah, blacksmith. anvil yeah. hammer, yeah. blacksmith. I think they're more different than they are similar. You know, I think Bismuth is really blue collar. 
She, she's just a construction <laughs> worker. Uh, Jaster is kind of, you know, she's a glorious warrior, super respected. Bismuth was like literally in the dirt uh, making things for gems. And so she she found out it didn't have to be that way and she rebelled. And uh, Jasper wants it to be that way forever. She likes the order. She wants everything to be exactly as it is. And Bismuth wants anarchy. Because she's cool. <laughs> she is cool. <laughs> Don't incite anarchy, Joe. <laughs> Rule of cool, cat. Rule of cool. If it's cool, it's cool. It stays. Yes. All right, guys. Thank you so much for coming on and talking to me again. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. The Steven Universe podcast is produced by Charles Abadje, Stacey Para, and Conrad Montgomery. Special thanks to Rob Sorcher, Cartoon Network Studios, and the Kruniverse. Subscribe to the Steven Universe podcast now at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And please leave us a five-star rating and review while you're there. I'm Mackenzie Atwood, and I will see you next Thursday.